Uh, let's move on to our next live guest. Ann Rinke of TIA joins us now live from Washington, D.C., and we're going to talk a little bit about their policy forum and listening session they had with the FMCSA. Ann, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Bill. A wonderful thing to see you. <laughs> to you. Uh, so start, let's start in and talk about, uh, first off, your policy forum that you had this past week, and then also jumping into a listening session. We just had John Gallagher on talking about some of the F FMCSA deadlines that they've recently yeah. announced. But uh, first off, let's start with your policy forum, how that went, and, and going into that listening session. Sure. So you know this, Bill. There are any number of associations. I think there were three yesterday who have fly-ins and they bring in their own members to meet with their members of Congress. And so it's helpful to have a constituent talk to a member of Congress. It's a little bit more resonant than it is just to talk to a lobbyist, you know, from Washington, D.C. So we had about 130 uh, members of our association. We had 170 some odd meetings and we focused on two issues, fraud, which you, Bill, and I have, we have talked about ad nauseum. And we talked about our the broker transparency, which we can get to. But I noticed that the uh, FMCSA has delayed their action on that. So we talked about those two issues and found a lot of really good rece receptivity to our messages. Yeah, that was uh, interesting that that was delayed. And that was, of course, the lead in John Gallagher's story uh, that came out uh, yesterday there or so. Um, so as you look at it, you got a number of things that did come out as far as the rulemaking and the, and the, uh, and the calendars that went in. What caught your eye the most as you kind of look forward to see what kind of changes may be on the horizon? Sure. And so, you know, we heard from FMCSA yesterday, they did not make any announcements whatsoever. So this was news when, when John Gallagher broke it. They talked to us about what was on their regulatory docket, which is reflective in, in some of what John said without having any dates or, or deadlines. Um, you know, obviously what caught our eyes is the so-called rate transparency any kind of caution that the agency can take is welcome. This is a, a, a fossilized rule, <laughs> rule from the 1980s that does not reflect the current marketplace. It reflects a time when the broker received a commission from the carrier. Obviously, that doesn't happen anymore. There are two separate transactions between the shipper and the carrier and the broker in the middle. And, you know, arguably the relationship that we have with the shipper and the contract we have, it's still a private contract. The law has not changed the United States of America that would allow public policy to pierce a private contract between a shipper and the broker. And quite frankly, it's considered a trade secret if you look at the 2016 you know, Federal Trade Secrets Act. So the question is, there's a lot of legal things that the, the agency needs to consider separate and apart from the fact that the 80s is a different time and a different place and the, and the marketplace is completely changed. So we're glad that they're taking caution. I, I really don't understand why we would push for this anyway. The highs and lows of the marketplace, the last three years where the, there was so dear capacity and so brokers were paying truckers anything that they could to get the, the freight moving, well, we're not talking about that, right? We're not talking about mm -hmm. how uh, how the the broker was gouged. I mean, because it's silly. It's a marketplace. It's cyclical. So we, we are hopeful that common sense will prevail. When you look at that, particular rulemaking, and we talked a little about, about this with John, I, in terms of obviously a wide is 
uh, perspective from it as well in the fact that obviously, and you and I have talked about fraud and you're trying to eliminate that as well. You're trying, I mean, transparency, as I mentioned to John, sometimes is a dirty word in Washington, D.C., no matter what side of the aisle you're on. But at, this, at the same time, do you do you see the argument that OIDA makes in terms of saying, look, we just we're, we're just trying to be transparent here? No, because what okay. they're trying to do is that's get fair. That's fair. our, yes, they're trying to get our, what we make from the shipper. I'm not sure how that helps fraud. The fact that they can figure out mathematically then what our margins are, how is that helping fraud? The issue we're dealing with is that there are criminal actors in this space and it is too easy to register for an MC number. It is too easy to conduct criminal activity because there is no enforcement. And so we have gangs of criminals from California, from overseas who are in this space fishing, spoofing, our, you know, cargo theft, freight held hostage every single day. We heard from members yesterday who have, a, a, you know, a hundred different attempts every single day for either double brokering, for unauthorized brokering, or for any kind of phishing attack. And to, so the fact that there is no enforcement makes it too easy for these actors to do bad things. So this hurts everybody. It hurts the carrier. It hurts us. It hurts the shipper. And ultimately, ends, it hurts the consumer. So we are hopeful that OIDA, we've already had conversations with them, that we can get on the same page as it relates to what the solution is. But finding out what we paid or what the shipper paid us, I'm not sure that's uh, that to me is n not even part of the equation of what fraud of what you know how fraud uh, happens okay so let's move on to one of the other uh rule makings that there was talked about or that is on the docket and that's uh speed limiters which of course is a tremendous double-edged sword uh no matter if you're, obviously you're looking at safety on one side and you're looking at oh goodness what could possibly happen on the roadsways when you got two trucks that are going exactly the same speed and causing bottlenecks and possibly safety issues there as well. Uh, but this is gonna be coming, at least it's coming down the pike anyway to be looked at. Yeah, so you're gonna appreciate this. We try not to pick fights when we can, when we can stay <laughs> out of them. This is, this is the one fight we have decided to stay out of. And so Owida, you can appreciate the fact that we're not gonna get involved. Okay. ATA can appreciate the fact that we're not gonna get involved. You know, I understand the argument. I understand both sides. I think for our members, we'd rather be neutral on it and, and you know, allow the regulatory path to go as it goes. So as it moves forward here, again, with, with some of these other rulemakings, whatever you choose to, to wanna go with here, what's gonna catch your eye the most outside of the, the one that you've, that you've already kind of focused on already? Gosh, well, the other piece which they've already announced is something that we care deeply about is the safety fitness determination. And so where that goes, I think what we want is clarity. Right now, there's this, you know, the vast majority of the carriers out there are unrated. What is it? 90 to 92 percent of the carriers are unrated because it's based on a physical audit. So if they can improve how the safety rating is assessed and make it clear between, you know, green light and red light, as opposed to this conditional rating, which is sort of like amorphous, who knows what that means. If they can use the data that they have, instead of using a physical audit, if they can make it very clear between, you know, yes or no, I think that would be enormously beneficial to the traveling public, enormously beneficial to our members and enormously beneficial to, to the carriers themselves. So we're hopeful about that regulatory proceeding and, and knowing that, you know, I think the comments are due October 30th. And so we are right in the middle of making sure we make our best case. 
Okay. Um, one of the things that John mentioned in that story as well is the fact that there was not mention of any sort of rulemaking around side underguards uh, in terms of uh, those uh, being safety issues there. I know that the um, uh, NEST has gotten a lot of heat over that from the safety organizations there as well. Anything that the FMCSA had, did not say that you were that you were hope that they would say something on uh, in the near future? No, you know, we, we've been very uh, transparent, to use the word, <laughs> with the FMCSA about what we think they, they should be doing. Are they going to do more on fraud? I think uh, going back to that issue, that would be enormously helpful. So, we, you know, we heard from FMCSA that they are trying to make some changes in terms of the registration process, that they are, they are trying to have a better database. And, and, you know, look, they have ancient cranky technology and they're trying to update it. And we know that takes time and that takes resources. Would, would they be able to do more? I think that would be helpful. We didn't hear anything about that yesterday, at least as it relates to this, you know, rulemaking schedule. I do think their heart is in the right place. We're just hopeful that we'll see action. That's definitely, definitely good to hear there as well. And Ricky of TIA, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, if when, well, is there another policy forum coming up in the not too distant future? No, but we have Technovations October 18th through the 20th in San Diego, California. So there come on, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check it out in CIA Award, CIA Org uh, there as well. And thanks so much for joining us. We will take a short break. We'll come back with lots more content here on Fruit Waves Now after this. <laughs> 